You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning. Today's scripture is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 17. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. This is the word of the Lord. A very good morning to all of you at home and a warm welcome to those of you joining us for the first time. Now, if you are new or you've been with us over the past few Sundays, uh, please use the link below uh, to, you know, just get connected with us. All right. Now, we are almost at the end of this opening series for the new year. And this series is meant to help position us uh, to grow deep and to go far, both individually and as a covenant church family over the course of this year. Well, so far, we've talked about the importance of the Word of God, of community, and of the Christian ordinaries. Well, today, we want to talk about serving. And I believe this is a timely word for us. Now, last Sunday, we heard Pastor Guo Liang's announcement that he is stepping down as senior pastor. And I want to say that I'm really proud uh, at how Agape Baptist, as a church, has responded. There was such an outpouring of support, empathy, and encouragement and I really believe that the agape spirit of unconditional love was truly embodied. Now I want to clarify, Pastor Koyang is still part of the church staff, he is still a pastor with our church and he is still part of the eldership. I just want to make that very clear. Uh, but he will soon be stepping down as the senior pastor and the senior pastor position uh, will soon be vacant. So in place of the senior pastor, uh, the eldership has and will continue uh, to lead the church together as one uh, leadership body. And understandably, I think there are many questions about this, right? Uh, what does this uh, eldership-led style of leadership look like? Uh, will we ever have another senior pastor? And so on and so forth. And there will be answers to these questions soon enough. 
But this is a great time to be reminded that Jesus is the head of this body, the church. This church belongs to Jesus. Jesus has been, Jesus is, and Jesus will forever be our king, our ruler, our seniorest pastor, our shepherd supreme. All right, we may be without a senior pastor, but we are neither headless nor helpless. And so it is in a season like this that I believe we must come together to support, encourage, and to serve one another. And this is a season that we need all hands on deck. And so today's sermon is a timely word for us because from the elders to the members, from the staff to the volunteers, to the ministry heads, uh, from the ministry heads to the cell attendees, we need all hands on the plow and we need to see this church served. And so to encourage us towards serving, I want to tell you three things about this church that every one of you are called to serve in. And this church is Number one, God's field. And this is from verses 5 to 9 of today's passage. Uh, number two, it is God's building. Number three, it is God's temple. And as I tell you about uh, how the Bible describes us as a church, I also want to give us some important truths about what it means to serve this church. Alright, so let's begin. And so number one, the church is God's field where God gives the growth. So 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. In today's passage, Paul begins by mentioning two names. He says, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? Now most of us know who uh, Paul is and some of us might know who Apollos is. But in those days, these two guys, they were famous. Uh, they were preachers, they were teachers, they were evangelists. They were church planters, they were church revitalizers, and so on and so forth. And they were tremendously gifted individuals, and they were also tremendously fruitful individuals. So if Paul asks us, what is Apollos and what is Paul? No, it wouldn't be wrong for us to say in reply, well, they are supermen. You know, they are legends in the Christian faith. And it wouldn't be wrong to say those things. But this is Paul's answer to his question. They are servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Servants. Paul calls himself and Apollos nothing but servants. And that's all they were. And the work of Paul and Apollos, I mean, they produced great results. But it wasn't primarily because of the quality of their work and effort but it was because God had assigned the de and decreed that their work should be fruitful. And so here we learn an important truth about service. Servers are servants. The posture of someone who serves is that of the servant. Now this might seem pretty obvious, right? But the thing is, you know, our tendency is to make service all about us, right? About our recognition, about our growth, about our abilities, about our preferences. And many times when we serve, we want to serve on our own terms, right? Uh, you know, if you want me to serve, I'm sorry, but I can't work with that person. If you want me to serve, I can't do mornings, I'm sorry. If you want me to serve, you know, you better let me do things my way, 
Right now, this is not to say that we can't make requests or make arrangements. I mean, there are many times when those are necessary and fully legitimate. But being a servant is about the attitude we bring and the posture we have as we serve. And so we may be serving, but we may not be servants. And Paul says, you know, if you want to step in to serve the church, well, you, you've got to leave your ego and your pride at the door and then step in and come as a servant. Now, servers are servants. And to illustrate how lowly and servant-like our role is, look at what Paul says. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So, Paul is talking about serving the church uh, as though it were farming. And farming in, in those days, you know, farming was very basic. Farmers chose a suitable plot of land, planted the seeds, they watered the seeds, and then they just wait, waited and hoped for the best. Now, much of the growth was dependent on various other factors, right? Would animals eat the seeds? Uh, would there be sufficient rain? Would there be sufficient sunlight? Would the soil deep beneath uh, be fertile enough for the plant's roots? And there would be so much that was out of the farmer's hands and out of the farmer's control. You see, the farmer only contributed a few things, but it was God who gave the growth. And in the same way, even though Paul and Apollos were among the most influential figures in Christian history, they were as helpless as farmers. I mean, they spent a certain amount of, of time with the church. They, they invested a certain amount of effort into the church. But at the end of the day, it was God who gave the growth all the way. Now, the fact that people had fertile hearts to respond to Paul and Apollo's teaching, now that was God's doing. Uh, the fact that there was understanding, there was conviction and there was repentance, that was God's doing. The fact that a church was planted in Corinth, that was God's doing. And so Paul exclaims, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. It's not that you know, all their, their acts of service and all the time they invested, it's not that it didn't matter at all. But in comparison to the tremendous growth that God had given, Paul and Apollos had virtually done nothing at all. It all was done by God. And here we learn another important truth about the posture of the servant. Service is not about you. It is about the God who gives the growth through you. And He does it all. So it's not about what you can do or what you're, what you're capable of. It's not about how hard you can work or how much time you can spare. It's not about what gifts or talents you have. I mean, these things, they do matter, of course. But if we obsess about those things, then we lose sight of the God who gives the growth. It is Him. You know, I'm, I'm sometimes amazed at how much confidence I place in myself even though I am just a mere person and I have limited knowledge, I have limited perspective and many times I have limited energy and on top of that, I am also a wretched sinner. And if you think about it, you know, the truth is you and I are far more capable of doing harm to this church than to do good. But the good news is that it's not about us. It is about the God 
who gives the growth. And He will redeem our efforts. He will bring beauty out of ashes. And that is what our God does. And so we say with Paul, He who plants and He who waters are one. Now we are one in purpose. We are one in heart as we serve. And we are one in the goal we are working towards. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. And there is one God who judges. And there is one system of rewards that he will subject us to. For we are God's fellow workers. Now this last line doesn't mean that we are fellow workers with God, you know, as though we serve with God, alongside God as equal partners uh, in His ministry. No, we are all equal partners with one another, but we all belong to God. So in other words, if you could put it a different way, we are fellow workers under God, or we are fellow workers who belong to God. And so if we are to serve in God's field, then we are to serve humbly and to serve self-forgetfully. Exalt God as you serve. Get yourself out of the way. Don't make such a big deal about what you can or cannot do. Come with a posture of a servant and serve. So that's the first point I want to make. Now we come to the second. Here we see that the church is God's building where Christ is the foundation. The first thing we saw was that the church is God's field. We toil and we labor together, but God is the one who is always giving the growth. So we are called to serve humbly and self-forgetfully as servants. But now in verse 10, Paul describes the church in a different way. Not only are we God's field, but we are also God's building. And Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Now, Paul was the one who planted this church in Corinth. And so he was the one who laid the foundation. Nevertheless, Paul recognizes that he was only able to do this because of the grace of God. And this was the same grace that called him to serve God, even though Paul was previously a murderer who had tried to destroy God's church. This was the same grace that appointed Paul as an apostle in God's church, even though he was the least deserving of such a position. And this was the same grace that chose Paul for the privilege of working among the Gentiles. And these were people who had never heard of the Christian God or of Jesus. But despite this grace, Paul describes himself as a skilled master builder. Now you can tell that Paul takes pride in his service. He takes his service very seriously. And even though God is the one who gives the growth, Paul still seeks to do things well and in a skillful, excellent way. And so Paul had laid the foundation and now someone else was building upon it. So let each one take care how he builds upon it. Now, the first thing we realize is that Paul isn't trying to do everything himself. Just because he is the skilled master builder, that doesn't mean he only trusts in himself to do the building. There are others involved in the building process. 
The second thing we realize is that although a foundation is very important, yet a foundation by itself is not a building. You know the foundation, it sets the parameters, it, it gives the direction of how the building should be built up, but by itself, a foundation is not a complete building. The foundation must be built upon. And here we come to the second truth about service. The purpose of our service is for building up the church. The purpose of our service is for building up the church. You know, sometimes we think serving in church is about personal growth. It's about discovering our gifts, sharpening our gifts. Uh, we think maybe it's about adding another level of intimacy and closeness uh, in our walk with God. And all these things are true. But the one purpose that we must share in our service is that our service is to build up the church. But the scary thing is, many times, instead of building up the church as God's building, we end up trying to construct a building after our own image uh, that glorifies our own name, a building built upon the blueprint of our own thinking rather than the blueprint laid out in God's word. And this is a real danger, yet we need not fear. Why? Paul says this, because no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus himself is the church's one sure foundation. The gospel is our foundation and that cannot be removed. What Jesus did on the cross for us, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and is seated now at the right hand of the Father, that forms the most solid of foundations that cannot be shaken. And this foundation cannot be replaced. Nevertheless, we must be mindful of how we build up the church. Verse 12 tells us, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, now, serving can have different levels of quality. Some of it is closer to the gold standard, right? It's like building a house made of solid rock or granite. But sometimes our service can be of a very lousy standard, like building a house out of cardboard. And the thing is, as the next verse says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So the quality of our service will be tested. And this testing will come on that day when Jesus returns. And on that day, God's building will be tested by fire. Uh, and mind you, this is, not, uh, this is not a refining fire. This is not a fire drill. Uh, this is the final fire. It is a destroying fire. And what remains standing of God's building will be celebrated into eternity. But all the parts of the church that was built with inferior materials will be burned away. So here's a good perspective to have as we think about building up the church. Service is not philanthropy. Service is about building up the church for eternal glory. You know, philanthropy is often associated with the building of hospitals and schools and wells and other such charity work 
in uh, underdeveloped countries. And usually it's done out of the compassion and the pity of your heart. But serving the church is not that. It's not about helping out. You know, it's not about making a difference or meeting a need. Serving the church is not founded on pity, but it is founded on necessity. Because we need to ask ourselves, will Agape Baptist Church be a church that will withstand the fire of Jesus' return? Will we be a church that claims eternal glory? Or will all our work instead be reduced to nothingness on that great day? Remember, serving is about building up the church. And so fathers, when you lead your family to take God seriously, you are building up your church. Parents, when you partner with the Agapiland teachers or, your, or the race leaders to, in order to disciple your children, you are building up the church. When you visit those who are sick, uh, when you come together to show care for one another as a cell group, when you build relationships beyond your own age bracket, you are building up the church. When you join the formal ministries of our church to meet felt needs and you do so by faith, you are building up the church. When you see a weak area in Agape's ministry and you start a new initiative to build it up, you are building up the church. When you give to missions and you support initiatives by praying and going, you are building up the church. And when you pray for the church, when you pray for her leaders, when you pray for your fellow members, when you pray for the activities of the church, you are building up the church. And at the end of the day, high quality service will be rewarded. Whereas those who bring low quality service, they will have to suffer seeing their efforts and sacrifices being reduced to nothing. Nevertheless, they will still be saved, but it will only be by the skin of their teeth. So here's an application when it comes to the purpose of building up the church. Serve excellently and serve with that gold standard. Now I want to make clear that our understanding of excellence and the Bible's understanding of excellence many times can be so vastly different. Now to God, serving by faith is gold standard. Uh, serving with a hopefulness for the future of what God will do in the church, now that is gold standard. And serving with love, love for one another, love for God, that is of the highest platinum gold standard. So I want to encourage you, serve excellently and serve with a gold standard. Now that's our second point. Now let's look at the third and final point. The church is God's temple where the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So not only is our church God's field, it is also God's building. Christ is the foundation. And we serve excellently with a gold standard to build up the church upon Him. But as we come to the close of today's uh, passage, Paul describes the church in yet another way. He says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's Spirit dwells in you. You see, one of the temptations we face is that we think about the church as just another human organization. right? Uh, have a good CEO, uh, get a group of directors who are sharp and outcome-oriented, and then observe some trends, set some goals, and motivate people with a mix of uh, uh, persuasion and inspiration in one hand, and fear and consequences 
On the other hand, and on the ground, uh, when people uh, are not happy about an initiative or a direction that the leadership has set, then push back, you know, make yourself heard. Don't come to church. Don't serve. Stop tithing to the church. Uh, complain. Uh, and then, of course, call for an extraordinary general meeting and probably maybe campaign against the leadership. Uh, usually involve a lot of uh, gossiping and slandering as well. But do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? You see, this church is not like any other human organization. The head of this church is not the pastors. It is Christ. Plans to build up the church come from the inspired word of God, not from the inspired ideas of men. And growth comes through mutual submission, not through division and infighting. And the power to function as a church doesn't come from our rules. It doesn't come from our constitution. It doesn't come from our own ability. No, the power comes from God who dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And so in the same way, the power to serve the church comes through the resources that the Holy Spirit gives. Building up the church is a supernatural activity and it requires supernatural power and resources that only God can provide. And the good news is that God is here. God is here among us. He's here to provide. Uh, He's here through the person of the Holy Spirit. And we are not alone in our service. We are not finally dependent on our own creativity, our own ability, our own limited power because God is on our side and He is with us. And you see, the thing is, God delights in using the weak things of the world to do the impossible for His people. You know, He... Out of all the people, he chose Abraham and Sarah, who were so old that they were like ancient, to produce a promised son through whom the nations would be blessed. God used Moses, a fugitive, scared and running away from Egypt. And he used Moses to bring that very nation that was a superpower in its day, to bring it to its knees and instead to lead God's people to become a nation themselves and to become the new superpower. God used Ruth, a Moabite woman, and Boaz, the son of Rahab, a foreign prostitute, to bring about the line of kings for his people. God used tiny David to to defeat massive Goliath and to deliver the armies of Israel from the Philistines. God chose a lowly carpenter and his young virgin wife to become the parents of Jesus, the savior of the world. And Jesus himself, He gathered fishermen, he gathered tax collectors, and he gathered nobodies to become his disciples. And then he transformed them, sending sending them out so that his church may be established and built up. And all this happened through the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't place your emphasis on yourself and your abilities or or what you have or, or lack of abilities. Place your emphasis on the power of God through the Spirit. Because the church is not like any human organization. It is supernatural in nature and it runs on supernatural resources. The church is like, unlike anything else in the world. And to emphasize that uniqueness, Paul makes this intense statement. If anyone destroys God's temple, 
God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now this is really intense. And to many of us, you know, as you hear this, this sounds like a reason not to serve. Right? It sounds like if you mess up and you end up doing more damage to the church than good, then God is going to come and destroy you. Right? You're dead. But here's the thing. For those of us who are part of this church, for those of us who are members of the body of Christ, if you belong to this temple, then this should not be a source of fear for you, but a source of comfort and assurance. You see, Paul is saying that this is how much the church means to God. The church is holy to God. It is set apart. It is totally different from the nations, the corporations, the clubs, the societies, the unions that surround us in this world. The church is God's holy temple. And God is so jealous for His church that He will destroy all those who seek to destroy this church. Now that's how far God will go for His church. He loves His church. And so not only will He provide for His church through the power of the Holy Spirit, but God Himself will personally protect and defend His church. And if you look around us, yeah, you know, there are people who want to destroy our church. But the Bible tells us that our fight is not with flesh and blood. Human beings are not the enemy. Rather, the forces of darkness is our true enemy. And many times when we think about the church being destroyed, you know, we, we imagine and we think about Christians being persecuted, Bibles being burnt, uh, churches being shut down. Or maybe we think of a massive scandal that, you know, just collapses a church. Or we think of false teachers coming into the church and leading the church astray through false doctrine. But there are far more ordinary and quiet ways of destroying the church. Now again, remember, the church is not an organization. The church is a body. The church is you and me. All right. Now, if day by day we were to decrease in faith, if we were to decrease in love, if we were to decrease in our covenant commitment to one another, then sooner or later, this church will slowly and quietly die a natural death. And this church will be destroyed. And it won't be a spectacular thing. I mean, it won't be a big thing. It will quietly happen. I mean, last Sunday, I, I was talking about the Christian ordinaries that quietly and ordinarily bring about fruitfulness. But here we are talking about something you could call the demonic ordinaries uh, where, you know, the church is slowly destroyed and quietly so, maybe just across a generation or two. But the thing is, God promises to destroy those who seek to destroy His church. And we get an assurance of this when we look into the future. Revelation 20 tells us that God intends for Satan the devil who has deceived the church to be thrown into the lake of fire, to be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, Satan is the enemy outside the church and he seeks to destroy us day and night. But instead, he will be the one to be destroyed. And that's how jealous and protective God is towards us. But the future is not the only place that we can look to be assured of God's jealous love for His church, we can also look to the past. At the cross, God destroyed the power of sin 
over his church. Now sin is the enemy inside the church that day and night seeks to destroy us. But at the cross, the power of sin was broken. But you see, breaking the power of sin came at the great cost of Jesus, the Son of God. And that was how far God was willing to go to jealously protect His church. But because we see God going that far, even willing to give His Son for our good, then all the more we are able to say, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? So people, what do you fear? What makes you unwilling to serve your church? What makes you unwilling to draw near to serve this church through the formal ministries, through the cell groups, or even through the relationships that you have forged and you have uh, 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 grown with one another here? What power do you need to be willing to commit to put your hands to the plow and to hold on until the work is done? God gave His Son for you. And why would He then withhold from you anything else you might need, especially the power of His Holy Spirit? So people, serve. Serve joyfully. Serve with faith. Serve with freedom. Serve with hope. Serve with delight. And serve with every ounce of strength that God gives So in conclusion, firstly, take on the posture of the servant. Know that it is not about you, but it is about the God who gives the growth through you. And so serve with humility and self-forgetfulness. Secondly, serve with the purpose to build up the church. Know that this is not philanthropy or, or service out of pity, but we are building up this church for eternal glory. Serve with excellence and with a gold standard. And finally, serve with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not a normal human organization that we're building. This is the supernatural church of God. And God is jealous for us. So serve with joy and with faith. And by the grace of God, may we put our hands to the plow and may we never look back. Would you join your hearts with mine? Let's come together and pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg.